Okay, let's see what's news today. Uh, the morning paper blues, huh? Oh, bad, bad, worse. Oh, wait. Uh-oh. No, good news. The General Assembly in Richmond is working on a law to help Dominion Energy customers. If it passes, it's going to lower the cost of electricity. Uh, let me see. Right here. Wow, you're right. It saves Dominion Energy customers at least $350 million. Is it law? Mm, not yet, but I sure hope it passes. Great. Now pass me the comics. Legislation being considered by the Virginia General Assembly strengthens regulatory oversight and saves customers at least $350 million. That means a savings of about 6 to $7 a month for the average residential user, according to the State Corporation Commission, the agency that regulates utilities in Virginia. It's common sense rate relief that helps us continue doing what we do best, meeting the needs of our customers. To take action, visit dominionenergy.com forward slash rate relief. Paid for by Dominion Energy. Welcome to Unfair with your favorite co-host, Jimmy. You could have been doing anything else in the world, but you chose to listen to us, and we appreciate that. It's solo weekend, so I will take the wheel myself to navigate you through the sports landscape of the hottest topics, late-breaking news, things that make no sense, and a few things that might surprise you. And as always, you can catch us on WMQG Radio, Tuesdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern. My solo weekend episode is sponsored by Clutch Culture. In life, there are moments when you are needed the most clutch culture is aspiring to bring you just that with hats and t-shirts available to remind folks who's clutch and who isn't bring that culture into your lifestyle by checking out their website www.clutch-culture.com so we're going to give you the latest and greatest in sports and sports news in under 25 minutes so dallas dallas cowboys it's time to blow it up that's what all this means in terms of what has been going on or the meaning that can be taken from what's gone on this season and over the last four to five seasons, ever since you've had Dak and Zeke Elliott, it's time to blow it up because it's not working. It's not going to work. Even when you have the full complement of offensive and defensive players, it's still not going to work. It still hasn't because you only have one playoff win, to your credit, with much better rosters than you've had this season with the retirement of Travis Frederick, with all the injuries that's gone on, with the unfortunate injury to Dak especially. And it's just not working. It's not going to work. The rest of the NFL is ahead of you, in a sense has been over the last 25 years. But when you keep putting this roster out there, yes, they're going to be good to watch. They're going to be fun to watch. And many people believe that that's all that Jerry Jones cares about. But he does care about winning, and he does want a title before – you know, the inevitable happens as it happens to all of us because Jerry does not know how much time he has left. So it's time for them to call in the demolition man, a consultant who can guide them through deconstructing their roster in order to give the GM the draft capital and the resources and the blueprint in order to build the roster back up. That's exactly what they need. So they need to blow up the players. They need to blow up the players and the, the coaching staff as well. And Jerry Jones needs to blow himself up too as far as the GM and as far as this presence that hovers over the franchise wherever they go. That's part and parcel of the reason why they struggle to get big-name free agents into town when they have the – most valuable brand in professional American sports. So that's exactly what they need to do. That's exactly what this means. And 
I know that's scary to think about. I know that that's something that the fans and the front office doesn't want to hear. But in the NFL, you can turn over your roster so quick to where you forgot that you were even doing a rebuild. Look at the San Francisco 49ers. After the Jim Harbaugh years where they ran him out of town, they were in a position where they had to deconstruct their roster, and they did. They had to blow things up. They had to let some some veterans go, some 49ers Hall of Famers. They had to let them go, several retired, and they had to start over. So they literally went from the number two pick where they drafted Nick Bosa last calendar year to a spot in the Super Bowl, which I know is abnormal for a team picking in the top five to do, but that goes to show you it is possible if you have the planning, if you have the right coach and the right GM who work together, and if you put that plan into place and use it, you can be successful. Maybe you're not as successful as seven minutes away from winning a Super Bowl, but you can do much better than what you did with the roster that you had before. So it's time for everybody to admit that it's not working. And four to five seasons of this version of the team is not going to work. One playoff win and two playoff wins total in the last 25 years. You have a roster full of these overstuffed contracts that need to be let go. Demarcus Lawrence has not been the same defensive end since he got his money. Amari Cooper has been missing in action in some of his games. He doesn't scare defensive coordinators. I still think he's really good. But within your own division several years ago, the New York Giants gave Odell the money and the contract that he wanted. And then a year later, they shipped him out of town because they had to. I mean, for other reasons, but still, it is possible to do that. Sometimes it's necessary. Jalen Smith, I love the player. I really, really do. But they may have overpaid him as well. Leighton Vander Esch is a solid linebacker, but he's kind of like of the Sean Lee mold in a sense. It's rare to see him out there consistently, unfortunately, because he's a really good linebacker. And for these reasons and for others, like with the – the retirement of Travis Frederick with Tyron Smith being out for the season, and he's only getting older with Zach Martin, I think who was recently in the concussion protocol. And now Zeke Elliott's got an injury on top of what already happened to Dak. Unfortunately, what this says to me is that it's time to blow it up, that this is not working. And they're in a position to do that successfully. Why? Because they're going to have a top five pick most likely in next year's draft, which is something that you want in order to help jumpstart your reboot either by trading that pick for more picks or by potentially grabbing a franchise quarterback at that position. And you say, okay, why would they want a franchise quarterback when they have Dak? That's because they don't believe in Dak. They don't want to pay Dak. I've talked enough about how much they should have paid him long ago and how they should give him the contract that he wants in terms of the years that he's looking for, and they aren't willing to do that. So if you aren't willing to move from your position and you know Dak's not moving off of his because he's gone too long and sacrificed too much in order to get what he truly wants then you're going to have to move off of him because it shows that you don't believe in him based upon or in reference to what he's asking for so you do that you work free agency and again I'm telling you if Jerry Jones backs off and gets his thumb off of the franchise as he has I mean you still own the team you're still in the press box you're still the you know, the hidden hand, really not hidden because everybody knows that you're there, but you're not hovering over the team. You let your son, Steven, run the team. And maybe he doesn't believe in Steven's ability to be the general manager. I don't know. But if he takes a step back, blow himself up, get himself out of the picture, then that could help him to attract more of those free agents that these other teams are getting or that these other players are wanting themselves to be traded to. So if you can do those things, 
if you can get this consultant in, if you can use your draft capital, if you can work free agency differently, if you can get Jerry to move back, then this reboot doesn't have to take five to six years. It could take one to two years. It's possible for this Dallas franchise. And you think about the fan base. One may say, okay, the fan base is not going to accept this. They're not going to accept losing. They're not going to accept us rebooting the franchise. But you're wrong because almost all of the Dallas Cowboy fans that I know have been Dallas Cowboy fans since they were children. It's in their blood. It's generational within their family. They're not leaving the franchise no matter what. You suck right now, and they're still watching. Everybody is still watching every Sunday, just like I would be, because no matter what happens to you, you're the most interesting franchise in the NFL. When you're great, you're interesting. When you're middle of the road, you're interesting. And when you're bad and when you're losing games and when you're injured, you're interesting, just like right now. So your valuation as a franchise is still going to go up, so you don't have to worry about that jerry world is still going to be full to capacity standing room only every single time that they play there so that's not a problem but this season is done is done and you need to start thinking about your future beyond next season because look at this they're two and six you have the seven and oh pittsburgh steelers coming into town and zeke elliott popped up he's, he's got a hamstring injury may not even play in this game they could get run off the field 40 to 10 we saw what they look like against the eagles where they could not get an offensive touchdown and now they have no idea who their quarterback is they're deciding between three different third to fourth string quarterbacks because andy dalton who had a concussion and was out in the last game popped up with COVID just out of nowhere so that's the position that they're in and when you look at the remaining schedule for dallas I really only see two more wins in their future. They have games against the Bengals and the Giants, and they could easily lose those two games as well. So you're fighting with the bottom teams in the league with the New York Jets and with the Jaguars and with the Texans for that number one to two to three pick. And there are about three to four potentially uh, franchise quarterbacks that are going to be in the draft next season led by Trevor Lawrence. So if you trade away some of what you have, for either cheaper play, cheaper younger players, we'll say, or for draft capital and put yourself in a position to really work the draft because that's one thing that Dallas does well is draft players, then you can restart this thing and be further along than you ever thought you could be. So if you said to Dallas, if you reboot, restart your franchise, and in three seasons you will be competing for an NFC championship which with obviously a chance to go to the Super Bowl, they would take that. But if you would take that over, okay, we're going to bring back the same roster, fire out the same type of players, coaches, et cetera, and you know, we're going to win nine games this season, ten games this season, seven games this next season, but we're never going to get past the first round of the playoffs. They wouldn't take that, but that's their future. That's the point. So they need to take a good, strong look at blowing this thing up. Go ahead, like I said, pay the demolition man, bring him in, who knows how to demolish and reconstruct and deconstruct rosters in order so that you can reconstruct it and – get further along and win more against better teams than you have. But right now it's not going to do it in this season. And what this season means and how it's gone is the perfect opportunity to stop, go back and then try to move forward from there with extra draft capital, with reworking free agency and with getting Jerry Jones out of getting him out of the way and back in the press box where he belongs. Okay, so before I move along to the Frozen Five for this week, week number nine, uh, I just want to remind you about the OSG report. The OSG is our resident fantasy expert, giving you the latest and greatest and the best advice, research, and analysis so that you don't have to do it yourself for season long and for daily fantasy. You can catch the OSG report 
on our Medium page. That's medium.com slash unfair and on our usual social media outlets, Facebook and Twitter, in order to get his advice. Uh, I doubled my money last week on what I bet. I won't tell you how much I bet, but it's actually much more than I normally bet on DraftKings. I doubled it, and I used his I used his advice, his players to target uh, at the prices that they were at, and I doubled my money. So you could have done the exact same thing. So log on to those sites, take a look at them, and get the advice that you need for daily season long. If you're tired of getting beat, if you're tired of being at the bottom of each of the <laughs> of the contest pools that you enter, then I'm telling you, you need an expert to help guide you and teach you how to think about fantasy and what to look at. So look at that OSG report if you want to make money. But if you don't like making money, if you like losing your money to DraftKings and FanDuel, then by all means, don't read it. But I got a feeling that that's not the type of person that you are. All right, so we do this every week. Uh, Frozen Five, our boy Jay narrowly missed a winning week last week, going two and three yet again. One of two teams didn't do what they were supposed to do. So we've kind of had a bit of a rough go of it overall this season so far. But uh, we got the second half of this season to pick it back up and get it together and do what we've done in the past, which is win, win, and win. So I'm going to try to do that this week. I got some picks I feel really good about. So this is the Frozen Five, week nine. But first, we have the Seahawks at the Bills. The Seahawks are a minus three-point favorite. And I'm going to take the Seahawks minus the three. The Bills haven't covered in four straight games. And part of the reason why is because Josh Allen is regressing. He's no longer the MVP-level quarterback we thought he was in the first four games of the season. And Russ, obviously, right now is the front-runner for the MVP, playing out of his mind, playing some of the best football we've ever seen a quarterback play. So that's one thing you want to look at when you make your picks is first look at who's the best quarterback. And we're taking the Seahawks, we take Russ as the better quarterback, obviously, so I feel good about that because Russ has the better wide receiver core. He's They've got about an equal run game, um, but that receiving core, I'm telling you, for the Seahawks, Metcalf and Lockett, they're unstoppable, and the Bills, that defense is not playing anywhere near what anybody thought, so they don't have what it takes to stop them. And speaking of defense, I love the Seahawks getting back all pro safety, Jamal Adams from a groin injury, and the trade that they made, really the only one, that matters to them is Carlos Dunlap, the defensive end from the Bengals. So they're going to get him to fill that void that they had at pass rusher, along with Bobby Wagner, who may be the best linebacker in football, and K.J. Wright, one of the better linebackers as well. So when you look at a game like this, just take the better team. Don't overthink it. So we're going to take the Seahawks to win this game 27-19, covering the three. Up next, we have the Ravens at the Colts. The Ravens are a minus two-and-a-half point favorite. And I'm going to take the Ravens minus the two and a half. The Ravens are desperate to win this game because they have to keep up with the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team who they faced last week had four turnovers against the Steelers. I think those were all Lamar turnovers, and they only lost by four points. So that means that they really are one of the best teams in this league. They were able to move the ball against that nasty Steelers defense, had over 400 total yards. So that will not be a problem in this game. And they faced a coach team led by 88-year-old Phillip Rivers, who is a statue back there. And that Ravens pass rush, who just added Yannick Ngakwe in a trade with the Vikings, one of the better pass rushers in the league already to go with Calais Campbell, are going to get after Phillip Rivers, which is going to make his pass game null and void because he's always going to be looking over his shoulder. So I see this being a game where Phillip Rivers might throw two to three interceptions like he's prone to do every fourth or fifth game. That Colts receiving core, inconsistent. 
Their run game, inconsistent. Yeah, I love Darius Leonard, the linebacker, but he can't be all over the field at the same time doing everybody's job. And I think that Lamar is going to play more like himself, like more like MVP Lamar, running the ball more in order to make his pass game easier. So I think this is a get-right spot for the Ravens off of all those turnovers and the loss that they had against the Steelers. So I'm going to pick them in a bit of a shootout to win this game 33-27, to covering the two-and-a-half. Up next, we have the Saints at the Buccaneers, one of the games of the week. The Buccaneers are a minus four-and-a-half point favorite, and I'm going to take the Bucs minus four-and-a-half to get their sweet revenge over the Saints, who beat them in week one. Um, that first game, this Bucks team, they didn't know each other. They didn't know how to play together. No preseason, you know, very few practices, and you know it was hard to overcome the turnovers, the uncharacteristic turnovers that Tom Brady had. So that won't be the case this time, as they now have proven to be one of the best teams in the league. Um, now they're a top four team in the NFL, poised to go to the Super Bowl and play in their own stadium. I like both the Tampa offense and the defense more than I like the Saints. I mean, the Saints are a good team. We know that. So it's going to be a fairly close game. But what I don't love for the Saints is that Drew Brees is banged up. He's got a shoulder problem. I think it's his throwing shoulder. That could be a problem. Again, Alvin Kamara can't carry this offense. Michael Thomas, will he play? Won't he play? It's up in the air. Even if he does play, he won't be 100%, and he won't get 100% of the snaps that he normally would. So the Saints, they haven't covered a game in five of the last six. They're not covering this season. So if you've bet against the Saints all season, you're making money on them. And we expect to do the exact same thing with this game. So I expect, like I said, the Bucks to get their revenge, win this game 32-24, to and cover that four and a half. Up next, we have the Broncos at the Falcons. The Falcons are a minus three and a half point favorite. And I'm going to take the Broncos plus the three and a half. And I tell you, this... This is pure instinct. I don't know what it is about this game, but I believe the Broncos are going to cover this. I have one to two of these instincts a year, and usually I'm right. So I'm going to take the Broncos. Uh, last week, having to come back from behind in the fourth quarter against the Chargers and win that game, proved to them that they should be confident that they have the offensive firepower in order to make a comeback in a game like that. Um, you know, the Falcons, yes, they're better with Raheem Morris coaching, but they're still not very good. They're still 2-6. and six. And get this, this is – probably the the second reason why I'm choosing this game is because at home the Falcons are 0 and 4 against the spread this season and the Broncos on the road are 3 and 0 against this season. So give me the team that has has yet to not cover on the road versus the team that has yet to cover at home and I love that bet. Plus I'm getting points. Plus a three and a half. So it's going to be a bit of an ugly one. Um, and this Broncos team, again, they've won three of the last four games, so they're learning how to win. That young quarterback, Drew Locke, is learning how to win. So I'm going to take the Broncos to win this game in a close one, 26-22, not needing the three and a half. And lastly, we have the Steelers at the Cowboys. The Steelers are a minus 14-point favorite, and I'm taking the Steelers and swallowing all 14 of those points. Do I have to explain why? Okay, I'll do it anyway. Dallas, 0-8 this year versus the spread. The Steelers, six straight covers. So this is a clear fade of the Cowboys who don't know who their quarterback is. Zeke Elliott may not even play in this game because he has a hamstring issue, and they have all those other problems that we've already talked about. The Steelers are better at everything than this team. They have their eyes set on the Super Bowl, and they're willing to stomp on Dallas in Dallas in order to do it. So, you know, those Dallas receivers, they're non-existent. They're not going to be any match for the Steelers team in that pass rush because whatever quarterback the Cowboys fire out there is not going to have time to find those receivers so this is an easy one yeah I know that's a big number and it's scary normally I don't bet numbers over nine or ten but I love this game I told myself at the beginning of the week no matter what 
the total was. I was going to bet this game, and I stuck to that. So the Steelers win 31-13, to but they're going to cover the 14 on a late touchdown, so you can rest easy knowing that that game will win you money. All right, bonus picks. Uh, one pick you want to take a look at, uh, the Raiders at the Chargers. That's a pick em, so I'm going to take the Raiders uh, to – you know, I'm going to pick the Raiders, so there you go. Uh, the Chargers find ways to lose a lot of times like they did last year. Unfortunately, I love Anthony Lynn, but it seems just they just find ways to lose. And therefore, they struggle to cover. The Raiders are 3-1 and one on the road versus the spread, so I like that. I like the Raiders' offensive personnel better. And as spectacular as Justin Herbert has been, he's still a rookie. And the Raiders believe that they can win this division. They've already beat the Chiefs once, so they, got to, they have to beat teams like the Chargers in order to solidify that confidence that they can really push for this division. So take a good, strong look at the Raiders as a pick em. Take a good, strong look at the Washington football team, minus 2.5, at home against the Giants as well. Uh, Danny Dimes, I like him, but he turns the ball over way too much. And this Washington team is off a of bye. They're at home. They have the better defense. They have the better offense. So I like this spot. Um, I think that they'll be confident and comfortable in this game. So take a good, strong look at Washington minus two and a half. So those are two bonus picks. For the recap, we're going to take Seattle minus three. We're going to take Baltimore minus two and a half. We're going to take Tampa minus four and a half. We're going to take Denver plus three and a half. And we're going to take Pittsburgh minus 14. And bonus picks, we're going to take the Raiders out of Pickham. And we are going to take the football team of Washington minus the two and a half. That is your Frozen Five for the week. (laughs) So take a good, strong look at those picks. Feel really confident in those. And a lot of national guys feel confident in those picks as well. So I think that this is a week to take the favorites. So hopefully we can get back on the winning track as we are prone to do and make you all some money as we make ourselves money. So to close out the show, I just want to give a, you know, talk about the NBA real quick. Um, It was announced that the season is going to begin December 22nd uh, as the Players Association has agreed to. The draft is already set for November 18th, so in about 11 days or so, and free agency is going to be somewhere in between that. They're going to reduce the amount of the season to 72 games as well. So I'm just giving you this news in case you hadn't heard this yet. And overall, I think this is a great move. I think that this is a much better plan than starting the season or a month later, mid-January, as opposed to December 22nd, which is what they're going to do right around Christmas time. So that's going to be fantastic. I think that this is going to help the NBA to maintain starting their next season on time because starting in January and playing a full slate of 82 games as they were planning to do was just going to push things way too far and screw up the timelines, which screws up, obviously, the offseason, your draft, free agency, the player's ability to have the time away from basketball that they need in order to uh, vacation, in order to rehab, in order to um, you know build further, further build chemistry with their teammates, especially guys on new teams. So I think that this is a great move by the NBA. And I was reading, you know, I've read some books about screenwriting. And there's a screenwriter in one of the books I read who said that the formula to making a great film is this right here. So listen up. You get a great beginning and a great ending and get them as close together as possible, because that's exactly what the audience wants. You want greatness as close together as possible. So I think that is to me as great as the bubble turned out in terms of the safety of it in terms of the basketball we were able to see in this new weird exciting format 
and culminating in the best player in your sport, in the face of your sport, winning his fourth championship, LeBron James and the Lakers, the historic franchise at all professional sports, one of the most historic franchises, then I think that they had a great ending. So in kind of reverse order, getting that great ending to the bubble and a season that was, in a sense, put on pause by COVID to a great beginning of your 2020-2021 season is exactly what you want to do. You want to be able to ride that momentum because there's so many – there's so much great theater, so many storylines, so many things that we are interested in in the NBA. And this is before we've, we've even had the draft and before we've even had free agency, which will further add to it. You have uh, Brooklyn and Kyrie and KD, like I talked about on my last solo show. You have what's going on with the Clippers, how they still have two great players as well. And they're going to have a new coach, Tyron Lue. Can the Lakers repeat? That's what people are wondering. Doc Rivers is in Philadelphia. How's he going to do there? The young Celtics team is coming up. The Miami Heat proved that they are here and they're ready to contend for another championship. Denver, up and coming, made it further in the bubble than anybody thought that they could. Giannis in Milwaukee, if this is his final season, what's that going to look like? The Warriors coming back complete and healthy. We'll see what they do in the draft. We'll see if they might move some players in order to get back to prominence. So this is a great movie right here. So you don't want to make us wait an extra month in order to see the beginning of this great movie. Give it to us right now. And that's exactly what the NBA is doing. And it's those kind of decisions that will help the NBA to challenge what I call the big bully on the block, the NFL, who have run professional sports in this country for probably at least a decade for you to challenge them and for you to be able to say our projections have us at 27 billion over the next five to six years or by the next five to six years. That's what you want. So I think the NBA has got an opportunity to do that again. It's going to be bumpy. It's going to be choppy because they're probably still not going to be able to have fans or very many fans in the stadiums. I'm sorry, in the arenas. And that's, you know, that damages the experience of the NBA, but not too much as the bubble showed that if you play great basketball and get your stars on the court, then it can make up for the lack of fans in the arena. And hopefully at some point this season, fans like myself will be able to go to an NBA arena and enjoy a game. But either way, it's a great move by them to start on the 22nd of December. So that's the show. We appreciate it as usual uh, to Mike, Bob and Wendy, the production team. I appreciate you to my co-host Jay. Always bringing the fire. Appreciate you as well. Look forward to our next show early next week. Lord willing uh, to all of our loyal listeners, anyone who suggests our show to others. We appreciate that. And as always, this has been unfair with your boy, Jimmy. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.